brought to you by the WZIP sports team. This is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. Someone brings a video up and was like, hey, look at this. And we all kind of watch it. And to be honest with you, we all just kind of like chuckled and, and just <laughs> thought nothing of it. Exclusive original content. They do need Austin. Every Theory. brand needs Austin. That's no. why SmackDown won. That's why SmackDown won. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. they got Austin Theory. And of course, the hottest takes. Kings Celtics. Okay. If we see Kings Sixers, I'll sell my dog. <laughs> Man, you heard it here first. Mitch Bates is going to sell his dog. So get ready because it's time for SPT Overtime. Sports Power Talk Overtime fans, the UFC crew is back for the first podcast of the summer. And it's a good one. UFC 291 taking place in Salt Lake City, Utah. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje for the BMF title. My name's Alex Henry, and I am joined by UFC analyst Mitch Bates. Mitch, welcome back. Yes, sir. Feels great. Feels very good. I'm very excited to predict this card. I'm excited to be back on a UFC uh, podcast. We've taken a couple off. We took a uh, hiatus. Um, Jake is obviously going to be no longer with us, the founder of the UFC podcast. And now I'm here to uh, help carry on the torch with you, Mitch. So uh, hopefully we have a good one. Yeah. I feel like we missed two events, it two. may have been. Yeah, two or one or two. 289 and 290. Two. We missed two. Yep. Yep. Yeah, some good stuff happened, too. Some good mm-hmm. stuff happened. We are not going to keep track or record for this podcast the reason why is undisclosed (laughs) but we will not be keeping track this time mitch i want to ask you a question all right before we get into this podcast the fights are taking place in salt lake city utah um i'm not sure if you know where i'm going with this but the last time fights were there a lot of fighters complained about the uh evil whoa (laughs) whoa the Altitude. Altitude, thank you. There it is. I couldn't figure it out. The altitude. <laughs> um, do you think the altitude is going to play a big factor like it did last time? Or do you think more fighters will be prepared? Yeah, I would hope that more fighters are prepared for it, seeing how it affected everyone who fought on that card last time. And there's always a unprepared part of it. Like, you won't know how it will fully affect you in an actual fight. But I feel like they're definitely going to be way more prepared than the last time. Yeah, I'd hope so. And, you know, you look at a guy like Justin Gaethje, who already trains at high altitude to begin with. And then Dustin Poirier, he's training in Florida, you know? Right. Uh, Now, Dustin got there two weeks before to start training. But is that going to be enough? We'll see. That's what he should do, though. I mean, he's already got great cardio. We're not going to get into this fight right now. Right. But we'll see. It'll It'll be very interesting, obviously. We have some older people on the card as well. Obviously, that can affect, um, you know, breathing uh, mm-hmm. at the higher altitude as well as uh, some some heavyweights on the uh, prelims. So, which by the way, stacked prelim card. Oh yeah, stacked prelim card. Really, really good card. Uh, they said, hey, you know, no real title, but we'll give you guys a really good card, and uh, that is what we have for this card. So, Mitch, are you uh, are you ready to get into this right now? I am. It's kind of a shame that they didn't put the vacant light heavyweight title on the Jan Blahovich Pajeda fight, I think. Because I think that would have made things really interesting with, 
several different factors involved, but it's still a great card. The whole entire card is stacked, so I'm ready to go. All right, first fight, Michelle. Sorry, Michael. There's a Michelle later <laughs> on the card. My bad. It's actually my spelling, not my my mispronunciation. Uh, Michael Chiesa taking on Kevin Holland, Mitch. Uh, this is a fight I'm really excited to see at the welterweight division. Kevin Holland, 24 and nine. Uh, Chiesa, 16 and six. Give me a breakdown and who you got winning. Yeah, well, Michael Chiesa, the breakdown on him, he is an old-fashioned style wrestler, and he's going to consistently take shots in this fight. That's how I see him going about it, because he does not want to stand up with Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland is a lengthy boxer. He has solid submission work, but he has very bad takedown defense, and I think that does play a big role in this fight, which is why I I don't think he'll get an early finish. And another big factor in this fight is that Chiesa has not fought since 2021. And he's fighting one of the most active fighters in the UFC. Absolutely. I think that's a very big aspect in this fight. I think that Holland will need to keep the fight standing. And I think that he will be able to do that. I see Kevin Holland getting the victory in this one. It could go the route where Chiesa takes him down and just lays on top of him, controls the fight. Because I think uh, ground control is something that Kiesa is going to focus on heavily with being inactive. But I think Kevin Holland will be able to just piece him up when they're standing up. And I have him getting possibly a TKO in the third round. Yeah, I, I don't hate that pick. You know, you look at Kevin Holland recently. He's been, I mean, we've always talked about his striking, you know, versus, uh, you know, Tim Means and and uh, Alex Oliveira and people like that. You know, we've always discussed, um, you know, Joaquin Buckley back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've always seen great striking, even uh, versus Marvin Vittori. I mean, we've always seen mm-hmm. great striking, but it's almost like his striking's been on another level. Uh, I mean, he, he broke his fist for <laughs> Steve, or his hand or something yeah. for Stephen mm-hmm. Thompson and was still landing on him. And then you look at his fight with Santiago Ponzinibbio, I mean, oh my goodness. And he had power. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that people, you said it, every time people talk about Kevin Holland, he's a fast striker who lands, he's fast, he's fast. Nobody ever really talks about the power, myself included. He's starting mm-hmm. to get a little power too, which it, I think it, I think is big versus a guy who, like you said, hasn't fought in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at Kiesa, he hasn't fought in a while. He's got... um. Good takedowns. No, he doesn't have good takedowns, but he has good <laughs> no. grappling. That's right. that's that's the issue there. Uh, the grounded pound may concern me. Uh, Kiesa, when he can get on top, he's got pretty good ground and pound. But outside of that, I mean, Kevin Holland barely misses. <laughs> and, and, and myself included on the older podcast, if you've been listening for a while, you know I love to talk trash on Kevin Holland's takedown defense. This, you know, when you, I don't know how you realize what your problem is in your game. Like, you're one problem in your game, and you realize that, and you just decide to never, like, really fix it, and instead mm-hmm. you just literally retire instead <laughs> of fixing it, doesn't make sense to me. Regardless of that, though, uh, I mean, he's just—I think he's looked so much better recently, um, and and I'm all here for the Kevin Allen. By the way, Kevin Allen's 30 years old. Yeah, 
He's a young fighter. 24 and 9 at 30 years old with some pretty pretty solid wins already. I like Kevin Holland here. Mitch. F- feels like he had a second win. How he had a really big first win where, oh, he might fight sure. out of Sanya. Then he started losing some fights. And now it feels like he's starting to pick it up again, especially the move to welterweight. I think that helped him a lot. And his 81-inch reach is an extreme problem for anyone he's fighting. And especially when he puts power behind that reach, too. That's a tough thing to deal with. So, yeah, I'll go Kevin Holland in this one. And I'm hoping to see some power. You said third-round TKO. Yep. I'm going to go second-round knockout, Mitch. (sighs) I want him to knock him out. Stone cold. Yeah, because, you know, I think he can do it. I think he can do it. His last fight, he showed... I mean, when you land so many strikes as Kevin Holland does, and you're so fast, even if you're not powerful, if you can just hit the button the right way, you're going to knock him out. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go I'm gonna go Kevin Holland's second-round knockout here. Uh, so we both agree on the first fight. In to the next fight, we got Bobby Green taking on Tony Ferguson at lightweight. Tony Ferguson, 25 and 8. Bobby Green, 29, 14 and a 1. What do you got, Mitch? Yeah, this fight became tougher to pick for me as I looked more into it, but the ultimate decision is Bobby Green. I mean, Tony Ferguson looks like a completely different person from early in the career Tony Ferguson. And I'm not really a fan of of Tony Ferguson. I know you're probably going to have some things to say about that as well, but he we know that he has the tools to beat anybody. And he's displayed that when he was younger, but he is 0 and 5 in his last 5 fights. Bobby Green is a very well-rounded fighter. I think he has decent power, but he's more known for the slick striking and I think he has underrated wrestling as well. I think if he wanted to wrestle Tony in this matchup, he could. But I think it's going to be on the feet for the majority of the fight. And I got a disgusting knockout on Tony Ferguson. And it may be sad for some people. For me, it's really not. But I think it might be Tony Ferguson's last fight in the UFC. And oh, I hope so. I'll take Bobby Green second round knockout. You know, something that Jake and I used to talk about all the time, Mitch, is that you want to retire from the sport and you don't want the sport to retire you. Well, boy, oh boy, did Tony Ferguson let this sport retire him. I mean, literally, and people are not going to like what I'm about to say, but knowing everything I know now, looking back, knowing everything that I know now, he should have retired after Justin Gaethje. But at, at, and if you don't agree with that, at least Charles. Because he had no... <laughs> No reason to be in that cage with Benil Darius, Michael Chandler, or even, and I can't even say, I can't even believe I'm saying this, Nate Diaz. He had no say in being in a cage with Nate Diaz. He looks so bad. He looks awful. I've never seen somebody look worse. I'm surprised the UFC didn't cut him, honestly, for his health. And by the way, Tony Ferguson already, I mean, and this is not to try to make jokes or you know, make light of it, he already has a lot of mental health issues to begin with. You know, he's had a criminal record. He's had, um, you know, different mental health issues. He's in college for, like, what? At, like, Harvard? Like, it's just, like, he's not... 
he's not supposed to be fighting right now. And he mm-hmm. is. He is fighting. And he's going to lose very, very bad. He's going to lose very, very bad versus Bobby Green. And by the way, I'm not saying I think Bobby Green's great. I actually <laughs> do think Bobby Green's a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. I mean, yeah, his last two losses were Islam and Drew Dober with a knockout. Drew Dober, who's just one of the UFC's biggest rising stars who can knock everybody out, apparently. And Islam Makashev, which is one of the best pound-for-pound fighters. But before that, he had a good win over Nazareth Hackpress. And, you know, somebody might be like, Alex, Nazareth Hackpress, really? <laughs> well, at that point, people really thought Nazareth Hackpress was going to be good, including myself. I was high on Nazareth. And uh, obviously, things haven't panned out that way. But Bobby Green, he can definitely get it done. He's going to hurt him. I'm going to mm-hmm. go Bobby Green by hurting him really bad. That's my prediction, Mitch. Anything anything else on that? Yeah, I saw the same thing as you, a pretty disgusting knockout. And I agree. I think it's time for Tony Ferguson to hang him up. I mean, you it's, it's kind of hard to watch him when he goes out there because you kind of oh, already know. Oh, my gosh. He looks like – and I was listening to somebody this week in a UFC podcast, and they were talking about like – you know, Tony, Tony gets in there and he looks ready. When I see Tony in there, it looks like he's ready to, like, get set up <laughs> and hooked up to an IV or something. He doesn't look ready to fight when I see him in there. I 100% disagree. Yeah, I, I think he looked half decent for the first round of the Michael Chandler fight. But then he got knocked stone cold. Oh, yeah. Coldest knockout of the year. And he, yeah, like you say, he had no business being in there with Nate Diaz. Like, Nate Diaz was walking around with his hands on his hips, like... Oh, yeah. Playing playing games with him. it It's just kind of sad to watch. And and I don't even like him that much. But I feel sad to watch people who have no shot at all. And then they get knocked stone cold, and that's what's going to happen. You know, a lot of people go on a side tangent here. A lot of people always say, how do you watch UFC? How do you watch MMA? It's so violent. It's so violent. And I say, no, you know, it's a sport. They're highly trained. It's, uh, you know, they're not trying to kill each other most of the time. You know, every now and then you get like a Kobe Covington, Jorge Masvidal, where they have real beef and stuff. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it's a sport, you know, and they're, and they're trained. And uh, this is what they do every single day. But the, the moments I don't like watching the sport, Mitch, is when it doesn't look like what I just described anymore. Right. And the only last time I can ever really remember that was Alexander Volkanovsky versus the Korean Zombie. And I remember late into that fight, I was like, please stop this. It's not even, it's not, I don't even like watching it anymore. It was mm-hmm. like, it's uncomfortable for me to even watch. That's how I feel when Tony Ferguson fights. It's like, I, this isn't even entertaining to watch right now. Like, I just want it to be over. I literally just want it to be over. Yeah, you nailed it. So, that's, that's my little side tangent there. Hopefully he, uh, if he doesn't retire, he's cut in, in, in mm. the meanest way possible, <laughs> not even in the nicest way. Because I would say it in the nicest way possible, but like I said, I think he should have done it three fights ago. Right. So no more nice guy. Handcuffs are off, Mitch. Get <laughs> Tony Ferguson out of the UFC. Don't send him to PFL. Don't send him to LFA. No boxing matches. No Brazilian <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu matches. Send him to a couple hospitals and like a beach. You don't think he'll box Jake Paul? I hope not. (laughs) That's that's bullying. Yeah, he'll kill him. He would kill him. 
All right, we ready to move on, Mitch? Yes, sir. <laughs> so we both have uh, Bobby Green. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, into the next fight, we got Steven Thompson taking on Michelle Piera. Uh, this is going to be a really exciting welterweight bout. Wonder Boy coming in 17-6-1. Piera coming in 28-11. Mitch, who do you got? Yeah, I think this fight is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And it's an extremely technical boxer and kickboxer, for that matter, in Steven Thompson. He's very, very well-rounded. He's a legend in the sport. He's proven that he can hang with the best, and you know... Michelle is also very exciting, and he was, in the beginning of his career, doing wild things and backflips and running on the walls like Spider-Man during his fights, but he's kind of calmed that down recently. He's conserving his energy a lot better, and they will be at altitude, so we'll see how that works out, but he's a well-rounded fighter. He's got power in his hands, and the biggest factor here for me is age, and I think it comes down to age when you look at Piera being 29 and Steven Thompson being 40. And I want to pick Steven Thompson because in one part of my mind, I can see him piecing up Piera and dominating the fight for all three rounds. Truly, I could see that. Or a hot start from Michelle and then the rest of the two rounds going to Thompson. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I'm going to pick Michelle Pieta. Uh, it's tough to dictate what round it'll be in, but I think the age will start to show. And I heard another UFC podcast this week say, well, Thompson hasn't looked bad yet, and neither did Holly Holm before her last fight. And Holly Holm looked like all she wanted to do was just grapple, and she didn't really want to fight. And I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case with Thompson at all. But age is going to show at some point, and I think against a young Brazilian fighter, this could be the fight where his age starts to show. And I'm not very confident in this pick at all, but I'm going to go with Michelle here. I mean, people really forget Michelle is 29 years old. That's insane. And Wonder Boy is 40. It's true. Steven Thompson, man, one of my favorite fighters in the UFC, uh, I'd say probably right outside of my top 15, maybe 16, 17 spot. He's the UFC karate kid. He's <laughs> literally a karate fighter in UFC and good because, you know, mixed martial arts. Well, you think boxing, you think Muay Thai, judo, wrestling, BJJ. You don't think karate. You don't think kung fu. Mm-hmm. That's what Steven Thompson brings, and it's awesome. And I love, 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 love watching it. And uh, he has great cardio. And he's got some really decent career wins. And I think he's looked really good. You look at, um, you know, Michelle, though, beast. Really is mm-hmm. a beast. I mean, as much as, like, you talk about age being a factor where it absolutely is. But, I mean, we've had some nice, decent wins from Michelle Piera. And 29. And also, Michelle's a psycho. You know, you look at a fight with Steven Thompson. Look at the Kevin Holland fight. Very technical striking. Michelle will literally do a backflip off the cage and knee you in the head. Like, that's the kind of fighter Michelle is. So it's, like, it's very hard. And you hear UFC fighters talk about this often. 
when you're a very technical striker and you fight somebody who's not technical at all because you don't practice for that. You don't practice to fight somebody who's not technical at all. And not to say Michelle's not technical at all, but boy, not compared to Steven Thompson. Is mm-hmm. is he technical at all? Um, and not only that, the wrestling, right? And mm-hmm. not only that, the, the Brazil background, right? It's hard. It's real hard. But I'm also going to go with Michelle. I think it'll be a decision. Uh, Steven Thompson's mm-hmm. got great cardio. And uh, I don't really see a knockout from Michelle. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it... It's possible at 40, right? But right. Stephen Thompson, I mean, he's taking some shots. Some shot shots. I'm not saying he's got an ironclad chin. But what I am saying is I don't know if Michelle is going to be the one to knock him out. Um, but I'll, I'll go decision win, uh, but Michelle. And I also expect to see some wrestling from Michelle. 11 takedowns and 8 fights. Uh, that's that's pretty, pretty wicked. Uh, hoping I'm wrong. Yeah. Hoping I'm wrong. Not betting on this fight. Um, but I will go to, um, Michelle Pierre as well. So we've agreed on every fight, Mitch. Yeah. Everyone. And that one was hard. It's just hard for me to see him outpoint Steven Thompson. But I think the wrestling, like you said, is going to be very crucial. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And you know, it, Steven Thompson, much like Kevin Holland, struggles on the ground, Mm -hmm. struggles on the ground. So, uh, into our co-main event, Jan Blahovich. Taking on Alex Pajeda, which, by the way, that last name changes every time. I remember I <laughs> nailed. I, like, finally perfected Pajeda. And now it's like, I, it's like, oh, what? You, you perfected Alex? Well, you know what? We're changing it on you again. We're changing on you again. Uh, but we got light heavyweight uh, co-main here, Mitch. Before we get into the, to the predictions, I want to ask you, do you think this fight should have been for a belt? Yes, 100%. And I feel bad for the entirety of the light heavyweight division because that belt is all over the place. And I think they had to do something with it as fast as they can. And with a fight like this, I think they just they had to go with it. There's so many storylines you can create from either guy's winning the belt, I think, especially Pajeda. Because mm-hmm. if he wins and Izzy decides to move up and they have their trilogy in the UFC... That's an outstanding fight. That's going to do so many numbers, which is what Dana White cares about. Blahovich winning the belt, I think at some at some point, Yuri's going to be ready to come back. I think that's a fight you could go with. And I'm not sure the extent of Jamal Hill's injury. I didn't really see much on it. Do you know anything about the injury he's dealing with or how long that could keep him out? A year. It could be up to a year. Ah, yeah, it's tough. And I, I've seen people say six to eight months, but what mm-hmm. a lot of people forget is that a lot of people have also said it's his size. Mm-hmm. He's a light heavyweight and he's a heavier, he's a heavier light heavyweight. So it does take a while when you're for your body to heal when you are bigger like that. So, and where is Magomed at? Like what's going on with him? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, Personally, let me ask you this, Mitch. Who who did you have winning in that draw between Magomed and Jan? That was that was a really tough fight. I had Jan personally. I know a lot of people disagree, mm-hmm. but I had Jan winning the fight. But it's not like it was oh a clear shot. Jan beat him. I think that was a really close fight, and I'm not even mad at a draw there. It's actually a good draw. It mm-hmm. is a good draw. I had Magomed winning. 
Um, but yeah, Magomed was pretty mad about that loss, and then you really haven't heard much from him. That's what I wondered. Like, is he upset with the UFC to the point where he's just not fighting? Right. I um, when it gets to should this fight be for a title, if you were to ask me for the past three weeks, I would have said yes, 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 absolutely. Except when I think of the winner of this fight taking on Yuri for a <laughs> title fight, then I'm like, that's a title fight I want to see. I would love nothing more than Jan or especially Alex versus Yuri. Because you got to remember, before Yuri was fighting, Yuri got hurt before like Alex made his UFC debut. Right. Like, I'm pretty sure. I'm not positive. Or, like, Alex had, like, one fight. Okay? Before Alex was in the UFC, Yuri Prohashka was Alex Pajeda. That boogeyman. People talk about the boogeyman, the boogeyman, Alex Pajeda, the boogeyman. That's what everybody wants to talk about. Yuri Prohashka was the boogeyman. Like, that was who people talked about. So, man, I would love to see that fight. So, if they give the winner Yuri... And Yuri's all right to do that. I'm okay for this not being a title fight. If that doesn't happen, then I'm like, yeah, this is pretty ridiculous. Should have been for a title. Um, yeah, I like Yuri coming back and getting a title fight immediately too. I love Yuri. As well, the a UFC fighter. promised him. The UFC promised him his title fight back. I I still think you could have made it happen had you placed the belt on this fight too. Yeah. But. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So what? You place the belt on this fight. Jan wins. Mm-hmm. Now Jan fights Yuri, right? Absolutely. I right. 100% agree with you there, Mitch. Um, that's something they could have done as well. Anyway, let's get into the breakdown for the co-main event. Mitch, give it to me. Yep. Blahovich, he Polish power is the first thing I think of when I hear Jan Blahovich's name. I know that he has some devastating leg kicks, which he displayed very nicely against Magomed. And the key is that the power in his hands. I think that is the key for both fighters, actually, is the power in both of their hands. Because Pajeda has great accuracy, solid volume, and the left hand to knock out any single person in the UFC. And that's what made this fight so hard to pick, is that... I feel like either one of them could knock the other out at any moment. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, Yuri's just going to take down uh, Alex Pajeda because Izzy took him down, and he took down Izzy. But when I think of this fight happening, I don't see him attempting like more than one takedown at all. And he only had three takedowns against Izzy, and they all came in the third round in a fight where I... Watching it live, I did not think Blahovich was winning. Watching it back, I can see how he was. But I feel like that may have come out of a little bit of desperation. I have to do something, hold him down for this round. I don't see that happening in this fight. And it's su- it's such a tough fight to pick for me. I didn't even have anyone down for the winner of this fight. I decided I had to pick it on the fly. Because it's just, to me, it's going to be who gets knocked out first and the more i think of it the more i think that alex pajeda is going to be victorious but it's it's also the fact that he gets hit a lot and jan blahovich connecting on those hits is going to be worse than when izzy did it 
and Izzy knocked him stone cold out, and that wasn't that long ago either that he got knocked out cold. We saw Usman get knocked out cold and try to jump back into a fight with Leon Edwards, and then he lost again. So it's tough for me. Ah, man, I could see it going either way. I might have to wait to pick this until the very end when we go all over over all the picks because this fight is just, it's one of those ones that can go either way. You want me to talk a little? Maybe maybe I'll help you out? Yeah. Maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Definitely. I'll talk about Alex first. Um, Many people might not know this, Mitch, because everybody knows I'm the biggest Israel Adesanya fan you'll ever meet. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. I mean, everybody in their in the world knows that I'm the biggest Israel Adesanya fan. And I am. Before Israel had to fight Alex Pajeda, I was an Alex Pajeda fan. I always liked Alex Pajeda. Many people don't know that because you think, what, you're an Izzy fan. You're not allowed to like Alex Pajeda. Well, yeah, when they fight each other, obviously. But I feel like a bird out of his cage, Mitch, because I feel like I can finally cheer for Alex Pajeda again. But he's fighting Jan. Mm-hmm. And Jan is Polish. And I am also <laughs> Polish. And it's like the Olympics, you know? It's like, you know, you cheer for Team USA because, you know, your team, you're from the USA. And I'm born in the United States. But I have a lot of Polish in me, Mitch. So when I see the Polish fighters fighting, I like, well, the Polish fighter fighting. There's one. His name's Jan Blachowicz <laughs> from Warsaw, Poland. I like to cheer for him. So it's it's a little difficult. Bias aside, that's just me talking my bias. I just wanted that to be out there. Essentially what I'm saying is I don't really care for either to win the fight more than the other. I like mm. them both the same. So there's not really a lot of bias here. Jan, I mean, you hit it with the light kicks. His leg kicks are nice. I mean, mm. they are nice. But he's fighting a kickboxer. And he's fighting Alex Pajeda. And Alex Pajeda is up a weight class. And not only is he up a weight class, but he's taller. And he has the reach advantage. And he's younger. Because much like Steven Thompson, Jan is also 40 years old. He's getting old. Now, trust me, I know. As a Polak myself, we're strong throughout the age. <laughs> Throughout the ages. <laughs> However, when you're getting hit with Bahada's left or his right or his calf kick, it don't matter what age you are. It don't matter if you're Polish. It's Alex Bahada. He he is scary. That being said, though, I in this. This could be bias. You could say this is biased. I don't think it is. I try to stay very unbiased in these picks. Heck, I didn't pick Steven Thompson, even though I love him. I don't think Alex Pajeda looked good versus Israel in his last fight. Alex looked pretty good in the first round. He was landing. He was landing. Okay. So was Izzy. And I think he ended up landing more when you look at paper. Overall strikes. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is Jan. This is a veteran at this weight class, you know? It's a tough fight. But I think Alex Bahia takes it. I really do. I don't know who I'll be cheering for. 
maybe I'll have to consider throwing a little bit of cheddar on one of these fights to make mm-hmm. me care more about one or the <laughs> other. But I'm going to go with Alex, and uh, and maybe that's just because I, I want to see Alex versus Yuri. Maybe. But I wouldn't <sighs> mind seeing Jan versus Yuri, too. I wouldn't mind seeing that either. So, yeah, and, you know, you talk about the takedowns of Jan. That's the last thing I'll touch on that you uh, that you mentioned. Um, I mean, that's that's difficult because Jan does have takedowns. Um, and you saw it with Izri. Izri? Izzy? <laughs> Izri. Um, but Alex, as far as I understand, trains a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with Glover. He trains a lot. So... I'm going to take that into consideration and say maybe he, this is not a guy you want to take on the ground. Mm-hmm. But also, you know who took him down? Israel Adesanya. And held him for a little bit. It's a tough fight. You, you got to pick, Mitch? I'm going Alex. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go against you. I'm going to mix things up. I'm going to go Jan Blachowicz. Polish power. Polish power. I can see a cold knockout, too. That's the thing. I can see a cold knockout for both. Absolutely. But I, I see Alex getting hit more. I see it being a tough fight, and I see possibly a late knockout for Jan Blachowicz. You know something else I'll mention real fast? Is the knees of Alex Bejeda. Remember mm-hmm. before Alex Bejeda fought Israel twice in his fights before that, and he was just kneeing everybody to the head? Do we yeah. forget about this? Because <laughs> I don't. That's I was a big Alex fan. Trust me, I liked Alex. He was just kneeing everybody to the head. <laughs> Where your head? Knee. Like that was like he was real like just kneeing everybody, bro. So I don't know. Maybe we see a knee knockout. But you're gonna go yawn. I'll go uh I'll go Alex. Neither of us are confident. Nope. And um heck, maybe by Saturday when we're watching the fights together, we change our minds. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um on to the main event, Mitch. Uh this is the fight that everybody wants to see. It's uh, it's it's gonna take place uh, at 155, and it's Dustin the Diamond Poirier taking on Justin the Highlight Gaethje for the BMF title, and BMF stands for biggest <laughs> meanest fighter. Yeah, isn't that right, Mitch? Yeah, that's exactly what it means. So who will be the biggest meaner <laughs> meanest fighter? Actually, before you answer that question, Mitch. What do we think about the BMF title still being around? I, My opinion might be different than other people. I really don't care about this belt at all. This belt doesn't mean much to me. I think it's like a cool thing to place as a label on certain fights, like with Jorge and Nate Diaz. I think it was a cool narrative, but like as a belt being placed on a fight, I don't really care for it. I think we knew that this was going to be a BMF-style fight, before the belt was even placed on it. So, yeah, the belt doesn't mean too much to me. I like it. I uh, I know that's the unpopular opinion. I, I like the belt. I really do. I I mean, I know a lot of people have made jokes, like really Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje, like the two nicest guys <laughs> in the world. But you got to remember, Jorge Masvidal held it. <laughs> and he's soft, if you ask me. Like He's softer than both of them. So I don't care if he held it. He's soft. But anyway, I like the gimmick belt. And, you know, this is why I think it makes sense. Because these guys are going to have a war and everybody knows it. But 
where was I going with this? They're going to have a war. Oh, these are two guys that, like, you can always make an argument that they're in title contention. Mm-hmm. But they're just not going to get the title shot. They're just, even the winner, honestly, honestly, at 155, if either of these guys get the win, if you're Alex Henry, or if, if Alex Henry is the UFC matchmaker, they get the winner of Islam Charles. Not Alexander Volkanovsky, and I'm a huge Alexander Volkanovsky <laughs> fan. But it's going to be the winner of this fight. I mean, both guys have had huge wins. Dustin over Michael, and then, oh, everybody, everybody. Raphael Fazeev's next up. <laughs> Raphael Fazeev's next up. Myself including. I'm roasting myself right now. Raphael Fazeev next up, for real. Nah! Justin Gaethje pieced him that whole fight. That whole fight he pieced him, especially that third round. Really pieced him. Those are two big wins. And then if either of these guys can beat one another... They absolutely deserve the winner of Abu Dhabi. That's just my opinion. Um, but I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll happen, Mitch. Which is why I'm here for the BMF belt. Because they at least deserve some sort of recognition. Uh, but Mitch, I'll give it to you. The rematch. Who do you got? Yeah, we're in agreement as far as the winner gets a title shot. I think that there's plenty of routes Volkanovski can go as to where he could wait until possibly after either Poirier or Gaethje were to fight for the title. Sure. I mean, there's so many options if you're Volk. And it sounds like he'll fight anywhere at any weight. So I think you can wait on that. The winner of this the may as well consider the BMF as the interim belt. That's what I think. Why not? And... It was it was a tough pick for me because I think it's going to be an absolute brawl. That's every single Justin Gaethje fight. And the key is the accuracy of Dustin Poirier versus the wild power and the toughness of Justin Gaethje, which it feels like that's the evaluation for a lot of both of these guys' fights. And I think this is no different. And being at altitude... For Justin Gaethje, it doesn't worry me because he's used to it. Mm. If he wasn't, I think that would play a very big key, but I don't think it plays a key as much. For Poirier, it could, but I think Poirier is like extremely tough, and like you said, he got there two weeks ago, and he's been trying to prepare himself for the altitude for the fight. And I can't convince myself not to pick Dustin Poirier in this fight. And I picked against Gaethje already when I picked Fazeev, and I was so confident in that pick, like unbelievably confident. And then watching that fight, I, I was mind-blown. And I, I said, I'm never picking against Justin Gaethje again. And then this fight got made, and I just felt like I had to do it. I, I, and it's two extremely bad dudes, and... I feel like Dustin, I don't want to say he's more motivated because I don't really think that's a thing for like many fighters in the UFC or many athletes in any sport because I feel like they're all extremely motivated. But I feel like Dustin knows he wants to be done with this soon and his drive to get to the championship I feel like is a little stronger than Justin Gaethje's drive. So 
I'm going to go Dustin Poirier. I'm going to go decision in an absolute brawl, fight of the night. That's my pick. I have said for a long time, and people are starting to not argue with me anymore, Mitch. People used to always argue with me when I'd say this. I'd say Dustin Poirier is the best boxer in the UFC. They'd be like, well, what about Max Holloway? <laughs> what about Max Holloway? What about Brandon Moreno? And I'd say, nah, nah, nah. It's Dustin the Diamond Poirier. And he's proved it. He's proved it. He is the best boxer in the UFC. Some people still disagree with me, but most don't. And I'm just happy to say that I've been saying it for a while, and he's good. He's real good. He's got a BJJ black belt. He's good. He almost finished Khabib. Mm-hmm. He almost did. And you know who he has finished? Connor McGregor. And people, here's something. Let's talk about it. People forget Connor McGregor's actually probably one of the best at that weight class ever. Mm-hmm. And probably a top 20 UFC fighter ever. Literally. Yeah. Easy. Like, Conor McGregor is... Now, I'm not going to be a Conor fanboy and say, Conor's the GOAT, <laughs> Conor's the GOAT. I'm not saying he's the GOAT. What I am saying is Conor McGregor's striking is something that is has not been seen yet since he did it. I mean, we're talking about a guy who went toe-to-toe all rounds with the greatest boxer of all time, Floyd Mayweather, and was landing on him. And was landing on him many times. And Dustin outstriked him. I Dustin outstriked Connor. And I'm doing math right now. I know I'm doing MMA math, or I guess boxing MMA math for that matter. Mm-hmm. But that's how good Dustin is. That is how good he is. He looked like a beast versus Michael Chandler too. And he did not care. Michael Chandler is just giving him everything, and Dustin didn't care. He was just going at him. And then you look at Justin Gaethje, who's my favorite style of fighter in the world. He's a wrestler who just likes to strike all the time. That's my favorite style of fighter. And he's really good at it. He's really, really good at it. Here's what it is in this fight, Mitch. I just don't think Justin Gaethje's defense is good enough. Justin Gaethje got lit up by Charles Oliveira, who's not really a striker. Even though, like... Everybody and their mom is like the biggest Charles Oliveira fan ever. And they just, everybody thinks Charles Oliveira is the greatest fighter of all time. He's not a great striker. He's strong. Mm -hmm. I'll give him that. But he's not a great striker. Islam outstruck him. And Islam's not a striker at all. And Justin was getting hit by Charles. Makes me hard to, makes it hard. Wow. Makes it hard. (laughs) To want to pick uh, Justin here. It really does. I'm going to go Dustin uh, Poirier, and uh, I think he'll get it done. I think it'll go to decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope it does. I definitely hope it does. I want to see this fight as long as I can. Uh, and uh, I think Dustin will walk out with the biggest, meanest uh, fighter belt. Yeah. Biggest, meanest fighter of the night, huh? Biggest, meanest fighter. Yeah. I... I got to agree with you. It's It was tough, though. There were a lot of fights on this whole entire card, even in the prelims that were tough to pick. It's going to be one of the most entertaining events of the year. I'm just going to say it. Oh, yes. I hope so. I hope so. Mitch, go over your picks one more time for me. 
Yep, so we're going to start off the main card with a TKO victory. Kevin Holland beating Michael Chiesa going round three. I think it's going to be a big blow and then just finishing him off with some ground and pound. Got Bobby Green ending the career of Tony Ferguson. That's going to be a knockout round two. I can see round one. Got Piera beating Steven Thompson in a decision victory. Got Jan Blahovich with a surprising knockout over Alex Pajeda. Going to go round two. That'd be so awesome. I would be hype. Oh, the the room will erupt up here in WZIP if that happens. That'd be hype. And for the final fight of the night, Dustin Poirier, biggest, meanest fighter, defeating Justin Gaethje by decision. I want to ask you one more question before I get into my final picks. Let's go. Alex Pajeda gets knocked out twice in a row. What happens to Alex Pajeda? Man, and that's a tough question, too. Because you look at, he's a light heavyweight fighter now. Like, confirmed. He's a in light that heavyweight fighter naturally. Always. He doesn't want to go back down to middleweight. I that hope he trilogy doesn't. fight in UFC will not happen again at middleweight. Mm mm. No way. Um. I like that he moved up. I think this is where he's going to thrive the most. But if he loses this fight... By knockout. By knockout. Knockout, Knocked out twice. Stone cold. Everyone around the world erupts. Where do you put him? I think... Do you mean as in who does he fight? Yeah. Because that light heavyweight... There, there's a couple good matchups I could see for him. Like, I would not be mad at seeing him fight Johnny Walker and say, let's just make this extremely entertaining fight. And I heard that Anthony Smith is ducking people. I don't really think that Anthony Smith... I don't like Anthony Smith. I'll just say it. I don't. And I'm not sure if that's the fight I want to see. But a Krylov-Johnny Walker fight for Pajeda, I think that's where they go with him next. Because I don't think they throw him to the bottom and say, hey, go fight, like, Khalil Roundtree or someone like that. And I like him. I'm not saying he's, like, the bottom. I'm just saying. I don't think – I think Pajeda believes and the UFC believes he is above that level. Hmm. But another cold knockout for him, he's going to take a lot of time off. I think that's guaranteed. But I think you throw him to the middle, near the bottom of the top ten for the light heavyweights and kind of have him – fight his way back up because there's no way you can just place him and say all right now you'll fight Magomed but I also don't see him them throwing him all the way down to the bottom to fight a Jimmy Crude so I think it's middle of the line placement for him I wouldn't mind a Ryan Spann fight perhaps Mm -hmm. uh my WWE fantasy matchmaker this where my head tells me to go some sort of catch weight maybe middleweight honestly Hmm. And they give me Hamzat Chemaev versus Alex Pajeda. I don't know if that's good for Alex either. I don't know if it's good for Hamzat. That's a crazy fight. You that know what I mean? Fight. That's that's my fantasy booking. Uh, that'll never happen. It'll never happen. Uh, but, yeah, that's a tough, tough cookie that the UFC is going to have to try to swallow. Yeah. Um, if he gets knocked out twice in a row, that's I mean that's a big deal. They have plans mm-hmm. for Alex Pajeda, and that throws a wrench in everything. Um, but no, me and Mitch agree on every single pick. 
Except I'm going to go Alec Pajeda versus uh, Jan. Uh, but besides that, we agree on every single pick. And that is going to do it for this UFC 291 Poirier Gaethje 2 pay-per-view main card prediction. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, we are back. And we're back now. We're going to be back. And uh, maybe we got some surprising things coming your guys' way in the future. Hopefully. But right now, we had to give our loyal UFC fans and listeners our predictions for this card. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Even if Jake's not here anymore, hope you guys still enjoyed it. And I hope you guys enjoyed the fights at Salt Lake City, Utah this weekend. My name's Alex Henry, and I was joined by Mitch Bates. And we are signing out.